The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Fathers, I'm singing the last couple songs there. I'm thinking about just the whole idea of let us be singing when the evening comes. It is well with my soul. And I'm looking at our text today and thinking how much that could help us with that, how much that could help us live those truths. Uh, and then I'm thinking, it doesn't really matter much what I'm thinking. <laughs> and unless the Spirit of God ministers, uh, we are just going through the motions. And Lord, we don't want to do that. So, Lord, I pray for the moving, the teaching of your spirit. I ask for that now, and I pray for openness in our hearts, Lord, that you would break through and teach us the message and the truth that you have for us this day. I pray in your name. Amen. As you're seated, uh, as Josh mentioned, teenagers uh, can slip out again for their class with him if they like. Or I'll be giving away candy later if you stay here. I might have lied about the candy, but all righty. Okay, well, some of you might remember, I hope people listen to me occasionally and remember, but back in the beginning of summer, I thought uh, very clearly that the Lord would have for us to take some time and look at the beginning and the end. In other words, we're going to start in the book of Genesis and go through uh, some things there at the first half of summer, and then second half of summer, we're going to look at the book of Revelation. Those are two books that, truth is, I haven't taught a lot from uh, since I've been here. That's an understatement. Revelation, I think I've had one sermon from there, so we're, we're going to have to work on that. And, uh, but, uh, so we have, up to this time, we've been going through Genesis, and I thought, okay, we're past the halfway point, we need to switch over to Revelation. However, however, I couldn't leave this guy behind. Uh, if you're familiar with the book of Genesis, uh, Joseph, Joseph uh, gets more print, really, than any character. He's, uh, he's the uh, lead character for about the last 14 chapters. That's all right. I bought it at Goodwill. Um, but the, uh, he's the lead uh, character for at least the last 14 chapters of uh, the book of Genesis. And not only that, I think, you know, we've been talking about first. We had the first family. We had the first man. We had the first sin. We had the first, uh, last week we looked at the covenant that God established with Abraham. Looked at the first nations. I think we could in some ways call Joseph the first hero. Okay? Uh, not that he was perfect, but comparing him even to the other characters of the book of Genesis, he's a pretty good guy uh, as far as walking with God, and we can copy him in a lot of ways. So we will look specifically today in the book of Genesis chapter 39. Before we do that, let me quickly set the stage here. When Joseph is introduced, we find the story of him as a young man. Some of you may be familiar, God gives him a vision, and the vision involves uh, some different things, bowing down to other things, and I'm summarizing way too quickly here, but bottom line is Joseph says, God told me that someday uh, you guys, my brothers, are going to bow down to me. And they really appreciated that story. Uh, they really loved Joseph because of that uh, week. And uh, they decided, yeah, here's what we're going to do instead. We're going to throw you in a little pit. Uh, maybe we'll kill you. Nah, let's do this instead. Let's sell you into slavery. And uh, that really sets the stage for where we're looking in 39 because we'll find that Joseph has been sold to somebody and he's living with him. Now, let me mention a couple things here before we leave these chapters, okay? If you think that your family is dis dysfunctional, and you might very well think that your family is dysfunctional, 
You probably have never sold one of your siblings into slavery, I'm hoping. Uh, you, you know, so maybe you're not quite as bad as you think. What's happening? Is that blinking or am I going crazy? Or, <laughs> or choice C, both. Okay. Uh, but uh, every once in a while I look back and it's like, did that just blink or what? Um, okay, but, uh, but anyway, the, uh, the whole idea of, you know, I was thinking, Maybe instead of calling families dysfunctional, we, we should just call them biblical <laughs> because so many of the families in the scripture are pretty dysfunctional. Definitely Joseph's was. There was a great deal of favoritism for Joseph. Okay. Now, how many of you, you know that another sibling in your family was always the favorite? You grew up like that. Okay. If your hand's not up, it was you. Okay, uh, you were the favorite, prob probably like that. But, you know, that doesn't lead to a great family. And then also, then, like I said, then you get into, let's sell them into slavery. Not a good sign. Definitely a dysfunctional family that we're dealing with here. But we see, once again, that God uses us in our dysfunction. And that's, that's pretty awesome. And we'll see that even more the way God works through things here. So let's go in to the book of Genesis. Chapter number 39, I read a little bit about this part of Joseph's life. Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of his guard. Let me summarize for a second. Uh, Potiphar was probably, to put it in modern terms, the head of the CIA here for Pharaoh. Okay, and uh, an Egyptian, he had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. That's a theme we're going to see over and over again through this passage. In the midst of his incredibly bad circumstances, the Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man, and he was in the house of the Egyptian master. Uh, his master, <laughs> I'm not passing out, am I? Okay, we're good. Uh, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did, that he did to succeed in his hands. And Joseph found favor in the sight, and attended, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time, he was made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, and the Lord blessed the Egyptian house. Don't miss this phrase. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. This is just to keep you on your toes. This is all planned. Uh, the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in his house and fields, so that he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Think about that for a second. Potiphar gave everything over to Joseph to the place where the only worry he had was, what am I going to eat today? Have you ever been like that, where you, know, you finish breakfast, and the next thing you go, what am I going to eat for lunch? Uh, we'll go with that, and that's the only thing he had to worry about. So Potiphar has it pretty good. I like this phrase they threw in here. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. This is rather rare in Scripture. Uh, it will often tell you that a lady is very beautiful or comely. Sometimes the Bible uses that word. But there are only three people in the Three people in the Bible that are men that are mentioned as good-looking. Okay, by the way, Jesus was not one of them. The Bible specifically says in Isaiah that when you see him, there's no form or comeliness that you would desire him. There was nothing special about the way he looked. The three people that were actually described as good-looking uh, were uh, David. David was described as good-looking. David's son, Absalom, and this guy right here, Joseph. So Joseph, it says he was in form and appearance. You got the idea there? 
Nice build, nice looking man, okay? Joseph is an attractive fella here. Now, after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. He refused, said to his master's wife, behold, because my master has no concern about anything in the house, he's put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house. There's none. He is not greater. There is not one that is greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Get that phrase in our heads too. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And she spoke to Joseph day after day. He wouldn't listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and got out of the house. Uh, probably in the culture of the time, he basically would have been underwear, you know, out, out there, and I'm out of here. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men in the household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and I cried out. He left his garment beside me, and he fled and got out of the house. And then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story. The Hebrew servant whom you brought among us came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. And as soon as his master heard these words of his wife, this is the way the servant has treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him, put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Now, let me... Um, just mention uh, one other thing here based on the culture of the time. Nor the normal approach to somebody, if he had attacked his wife or if he had made a move on his wife, whatever like that would have been kill him. Okay, there wouldn't have been any question, kill him. So it can be logically concluded that Potiphar knew the true story. He knew who his wife was. He knew who Joseph was. And he was angry probably because he's stuck with his wife and losing his best man. Okay, uh, that's probably more where the anger came from. But uh, definitely in this situation, we see that a man does what is right. And how does that work out for him? He's going to prison. And I want to come back to that phrase that we looked at earlier, which is the idea that in all of this, God was with him. You watch the story of Joseph's life. Uh, he starts off being the preferred child. He ends up in the pit. Uh, he ends up in Potiphar's house in slavery. Uh, he ends up being elevated there, and now he's preferred again in Potiphar's house, and now he's going to prison. And if you continue to read on in the story, he rides that roller coaster, but in everything, in every circumstance, we still find that phrase that God was with him in every circumstance. And I, I know I mention this a lot, but I think this is so crucial because we struggle with this so much. When I follow God, everything is going to go very well in my life. Can I remind you of this? The one that you follow was crucified. Okay, he had no home to lay his head. Uh, he was not, you know, the picture of success that this world would have. And yet sometimes we think, I follow him and that's going to be exactly what my life is. And I don't ever want to give you that promise. I do want to give you this promise. He'll be with you. Okay, because that's his promise. And, we, and as we sang in that song, and on that day, there is a day when he returns. There's a day when that all when this nastiness of the sin-cursed world is going to be over. But until that time, God says, I will be with you. You will have trouble. I will be with you. Okay, now, I want to go 
and uh, take a little look at our characters here for a second. We're going to take a brief look at Potiphar's wife, and then we're going to take a little bit longer look at Joseph, and then we're going to take a look at, we've been talking how we see Jesus in these different stories. We're going to take a look at how we see Jesus in this story in the book of Genesis. Uh, Start off with just goofiness for a second. some of you know I, I was a teacher for 30 years, and, and you're going to find this hard to believe, but I occasionally did some stupid things while teaching. Uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> it is somewhat amazing that I stayed a teacher for 30 years uh, in light of some different things. Two of my worst blunders involved the, the old VHS player. Now, I was not that type of teacher to just you know, put in a video. I wasn't, you know, the football coach. Yeah, here you go. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to slam the football coach. I don't know if the local one does that or not, but I wasn't the guy, the teacher that just played a video because he didn't have anything to say. However, uh, get to the end of the year and sometimes I hit the video store, <laughs> you know, and uh, we were at the end of the year and, and uh, kids were done reviewing and we had just th- talked about World War II. So I went into the library and I got a nice video on World War II. Now, cardinal rule number one, you always preview your videos. You always do that. Somehow that rule escaped me that day. I thought, World War II, what could go wrong? Uh, so I'm sitting there at my desk. I have the remote in, uh, on the side there. I'm doing a little grading. The guys are, or the kids, I shouldn't have said guys. There was 14 students in the class. 11 of them were ladies. Keep that in mind. Uh, and they were showing the scenes of clearing out the islands in the Pacific after World War II and the capture of the Japanese prisoners. Well, the Japanese prisoners had a tendency to uh, become suicide bombers, and they would hide explosives on themselves. So when you captured them, you stripped them. And, yes, uh, so here's my classroom full. I got 11 girls and three guys sitting there, and sure enough, here comes this little line of prisoners across there. And I wasn't looking. I just heard the screams. Uh, you know, so I look up and hit the remote right away. Wrong button. They go backwards. Uh, panic. Wrong button. They go forward again. Uh, so not only did I show it, I marched them back and forth several times uh, like that. Not a real good thing. Now, I had one other blooper that actually involves uh, pot- I didn't have one other blooper, but one other one that relates to where we're going here. One other time with the VHS. We were at the end of the year again. It was a Bible class. The guy who preached here four weeks ago, Brent Thomas, was a student of mine. He was in that class, and I remember because Francis had wanted to go to uh, Joseph, the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. We went to that in Chicago for her birthday, and she had bought the VHS. And I thought, ah, it's the end of the year. I'm going to show him that video. However, there is a scene in there where Potiphar's wife tempts Joseph. That was very inappropriate. Uh, so I was planning on skipping that scene. So I'm sitting there in class, and this time I'm ready. Okay, I'm, I'm ready for it. And sure enough, get this little buzz from the office. Mr. Thomas, could you please come to the office for a minute? So I handed the remote to Brent, the guy that preached here four weeks ago. I said, Brent, skip the next scene. Went to the office, came back. I walked in. Joan Collins was tempting Donnie Osmond like you'd never seen uh, in your life there, dancing around. And once again, I thought, oh, boy. Uh, if you wonder why I got fired. But anyway, uh, if you wonder why I'm here, that was it right there. But um, but, it, but anyway, what we're going to do is look a little bit at this scene. We won't spend a great deal of time on Potiphar's wife, but I do want to uh, talk to you a couple things about her. We'll call her, <laughs> we could call her all types of things, but we will call her a woman to avoid. Okay? And just a few words that I want you to think about for a minute. Uh, the first one is I think she saw herself, or quite possibly the reason why she's behaving like she was, is because she saw herself as deprived. Um, when you start the story and it describes Potiphar, it says he was a captain 
in the Egyptian thing like that, the actual translation of that word leader or like that is actually eunuch. Okay, and it is very possible that he was literally a eunuch. I say possible because sometimes they use that term kind of figuratively. Uh, but, you know, they would, if, many times in the ancient cultures, they would, uh, to set them aside, particularly focus on service so they could be trusted in uh, that way, they would make some of those who were close to the king or whatever like that eunuchs. So it is very possible that she just saw herself as, uh, you know, hey, I have the right to certain things here. And I think in our world today, we often capture that attitude that she has, which is basically, I have the right and I should be able to fulfill every sexual desire. Now think about that phrase. I should be able to. I have the right to fulfill every sexual desire. Because as you look at our culture, I think you'll agree with me, no matter what you think of that statement, that that line as to what is out of bounds has really moved to a scary place. I should be able to do basically whatever I want. Okay, now I think we could say for the most part, not completely, but for the most part, children are still protected, but not completely. And when you watch that line move, it gets a little scarier and a little scarier. We live in a time when people believe that idea. And I think one of the areas where we see this most is uh, just in the idea of the availability of porn. And by the way, back to kids for a second. I, I cannot tell you, honestly, how many people, and, I, and I'm not trying to throw any under the bus, but, but have said to me, Pastor, my elementary age kid is into porn on the Internet. It, it, to me, it just drives me crazy because if you think about it, um, our First Amendment calls for freedom of press and everything like that, but they have already set the precedence that said that pornography is not protected by that. Why isn't it stopped? I mean, why is nobody putting the filters on there? Why is nobody uh, shutting that down? It, it's really bad. And uh, we're developing a culture of people through this fantasy world and everything else that what they're saying is exactly what she was saying is, I shouldn't be deprived of anything. Okay? If I want it, I should be able to have it. Do we not see that, folks? I think we do. A second word that I want you to think about with her is uh, sex for her had become somewhat meaningless. Uh culture again at that time tells us uh, unfortunately that some of the Egyptian women would have a lower moral standards than we might think of but uh, basically she believed that sex is great outside of a real relationship okay sex is is doesn't really mean anything it's kind of like just any other activity and would you not agree that that's somewhere where we are on this day in an age that it, it, it has lost its meaning. The significance of in a covenant relationship before God is out the door, and therefore sex has become more and more meaningless. And like I said, in some cases, it's almost viewed as, you know, don't want to play golf or uh, it's just another activity is all it's become. And I think for her, uh, that was definitely the case. And, uh, and we see this again, just the, uh, the sacredness of it is so much lost when we destroy the innocence of kids. And, th and that's a, you know, it's an ongoing battle to protect and preserve that innocence, which is so valuable, and that they could see this instead as sacred. A third word that uh, maybe we'll think of with her before we leave her is that maybe she saw Joseph as that which was unattainable, you know, kind of a little target. Here again, this is a good-looking guy. Uh, and uh, she's going to want to feel that she is desirable, too. And wait a minute, <laughs> what's wrong with me if I can't have him? 
You know, I've been flirting with him. I've been sending out the signals all along, and it's not happening. And she wants to find her worth and her validation. And I will say again, a sad world in which we live, but so many people need to find their validation and find their worth in their sex appeal. Okay, and that, you know, and so much of that it is consumed. So I, I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about her, but I think we definitely see some things uh, that uh, we could say, hey, <laughs> uh, yeah, we see them today too, and they're not good. The main guy that we will focus on is Joseph, and we'll, t- we'll call him a man to be admired. And it is worth our time to analyze a little bit of how he dealt with temptation, because up to this point, guys hadn't been doing great with temptation uh, when you read through Genesis. But uh, Joseph gives us some examples of how to do. The first word, I invented. Uh, I don't think that's really a word. Uh, shirtless, that might be a word. Flirtless, not a word. Uh, but, uh, but you will notice that she continued on and on. And it says he, he wouldn't lie with her and he wouldn't be with her. He's like, I'm going to get away from it. I'm not going to entertain this. I'm not going to even flirt. I'm not going that direction. I'm, got, I'm not going to hang, ar- hang around her at all. We're going to steer away from that. We have the idea, in many cases, that a little flirting is harmless, okay? A little flirting outside of marriage is harmless, especially if it's just online, right? Um, I'm getting, I know I'm going to be saying this more and more as I get old, but I'm getting to the place in my age where I have seen countless, I mean, literally, I couldn't go through and remember everybody, cases where there are affairs and they started with somebody with a little harmless flirting online. Yeah, it's just kind of, I'm not going to do anything, right? We're just, we're just flirting, you know, it, 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 it's no big deal. You know, well, it you know, doesn't really mean anything. That's, that's where it is. We're out for a walk the other day, and, and uh, my, my wife and I walked by some guy, and, and our neighborhood is uh, antisocial. You know, we've tried to make connections with people and talk to them, and we stink. I just got to say, uh, we've tried. So as we walk, anytime somebody's out, we try to have a conversation. Many times it's not appreciated, but we try to have a conversation about their flowers or their dog or uh, something like that. And uh, she's, and uh, she, she, well, I'm sorry, we're walking by. My wife looks, and she says, I see that guy all the time. And I said, oh, did you ever talk to him? She said, no. I said, why? Because it's a man by himself. And. You know, my first thought was, well, you can still talk to him. But the truth is, that makes good sense. Do you remember a few years back when uh, the vice president said he wanted to follow Billy Graham's example and not have, you know, meals alone with women or time alone in his office with women? And he was made fun of to to no end. You know, Mike Pence has said that, and they made fun of him. I say, hey, make fun of me if you want. (laughs) I'd rather err uh, like he did and say, hey, no, this isn't something I want to play with. You know, this isn't something that I want to entertain. And Joseph was smart enough to do that, get out. A second thing that he definitely did is he remembered his responsibility. He said, hey, your master's, your husband has put me in charge of everything. Okay, I have a lot to lose. Okay, I'm sure this goes through his mind. I have a lot to lose. And sometimes, we, you know, we get this, I mean, she's trying to sell him on the opposite. Nobody's going to know. I've picked a day when nobody's around. And he says, no, wait a minute, no. I do have a lot to lose. I have to weigh that. And sometimes, again, I watch people and I think, are you even thinking? Do you even understand you got kids? I mean, honestly, and by the way, I'm going to be real self-righteous here for a second. You can write this one off if you want. But don't tell me, uh, if you're deciding you're going to have an affair, don't tell me how much you still love your kids. Don't do it. 
Okay, you might still love them, but you love yourself a whole lot more. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, honestly, I mean, think through the impact. I have been very fortunate because of my profession throughout my life, even, and I've told you this before, even when I wasn't walking with God like I should have been, I had a bunch of safeguards because there's a lot of things if I did them, I was going to lose my job and I'd have lost my wife. Okay, and I'll play through that. And sometimes we're going to get to why that we don't want that to be the only motivation. But Joseph had a motivation there. He was in a perfect situation uh, and he knew it. And uh, and he didn't want he didn't want to ruin it there. A third thing. uh, I read the word wickedness. I could have picked the other word there. That is sin. Uh, But basically, he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Basically, he called it what it was. I don't know if you remember when you went to school that uh, they taught you that the reason why doctors and everybody uses the Latin language is because it's not changing, because it's not used. Do you know? Do you remember that? It's not used in everyday life, so it's not changing. Have you noticed how much our language is changing? How much the meaning of words is changing all the time? I I caught and I haven't really watched more than five minutes of it, but I was watching one night. I was watching one of the, the new football league that was on this spring. I'm sorry, this summer, whenever it was on. Uh, I forget even what it's called. World Football League? You, yeah, that, thank you. USFL. Uh, and uh, when, when it came on there, I was watching just a few minutes, and the announcer said, talking about one of the players, he, is, he said he has PDS. And I, said, and I thought, what is that? And then he said he has pigskin uh, dysphoria, dysplasia syndrome. Uh, in other words, he fumbles a lot. Uh, but we, uh, but I, I just thought, <laughs> I think he was goofing around. But still, and I used that on purpose because I didn't want to use some of the other things you know, for the point it might be offensive. But have you noticed that everything has a goofy name and we got to try to make everything less offensive. And then in the meantime, we've made the old words offensive and we don't understand what we're saying half the time. Have you noticed that? Well, what Joseph said is, I'm not going to call this an affair. I'm not going to call this a slip up. I'm not going to call this a mess up or a temporary bit of indiscretion on my part, he said, this would be great wickedness and sin against God. And that's a word that needs to stay in our vocabulary. Okay, wickedness and sin against God. And he understood well that it would be against God. Okay, so let me, uh, let me develop what I think is our most important point here about Joseph. I mean, he got that and he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that against God. Our most important defense against sexual sin is walking with God, having a relationship with Him. Uh, I have mentioned this before. Couldn't get a good slide to show you this, a large print, uh, but um, this is a book called Surfing for God. I've mentioned it before. It's been out probably 15, 20 years now. Um, But uh, I love the premise of this book. I love a lot of the content, especially the premise. It is based on a quote by a guy named uh, uh, G.K. Chesterton. Some of you have heard of him. He said this. Now, again, He's an old-timer, so you got, we got to translate this or move this into modern English. Every man who knocks on the door of a brothel, okay, that's not a word that we even know what that is all the time, a house of prostitution, is looking for God. Okay, let me say that again. Every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. So he entitled his book Surfing for God because, of course, today's problem is the Internet. And what he is saying is that problem that we have so often is people are trying with everything other than God to fill that void in our life that only God can fill. Let me say that again. We're trying with everything else to fill a void in our life. And truth of the matter is, most of the time, and and hopefully this doesn't sound like I'm downplaying the evils of pornography, but most of the time a pornography addiction is not largely about sex. It is about that idea of, you know, acceptance 
and, and inclusion. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I don't have to fear rejection. And it's also just an escape from reality like that. And I, I wrote this quote down uh, in the front of my journal so that I remember it. I wrote down, God, please, and I try to pray this prayer regularly, God, please give me a life from which I don't need to escape. Okay, God, please give me a life from which I'm not looking for an escape. I want to walk with him. And I said, uh, you know, at, at weddings, I like to say to people, hey, the, uh, oh, hey, by the way, Jacob got engaged. But anyway, uh, but uh, at weddings, I like to say to people, um, hey, the greatest thing you can give your wife is you walking with God. The greatest thing you can give your husband is you walking with God. And just like we say the best way to affair-proof affair your marriage is to focus on your marriage and build that relationship strong, uh, the best way to wandering away from God and obeying Him is focus on that relationship, okay? The walk with and the closeness to God. And we try to emphasize that around here. I am going through now some, if you want to say, some practical steps that Joseph did, and the next one's even going to be more like that. Okay, here's something specific you can do, and those are helpful, but bottom line is what I want to encourage you to do more than anything is connect your life. Here, here's the thing. The one who perfectly resisted temptation lives inside of you as a Christian. The one who perfectly resisted temptation, Jesus Christ, lives inside of you. The Apostle Paul over and over again used the phrase, in us, in me, Christ in me. Okay, and more than anything, I don't want you, okay, well, i got to stop doing this. i got to follow Joseph's example. Yes, these things are good, and they're practical points. But more than anything, I want to say what you need is to build that relationship of authenticity with Jesus Christ. Oh, hey, by the way, speaking of authenticity, did you notice back in the early phrases of this that when Potiphar looked at Joseph's life, he saw something that was real? I, I, I didn't highlight that verse when I read through it, but if you go back through that story, one of the early verses, it says basically they saw that Joseph had something that was real. Okay? It didn't say, well, Joseph was holier than thou and self-righteous. He had a real relationship with God, and people noticed. And when we have a real relationship with God, not only do people notice, but also we uh, will be equipped to stand. Okay, one more thing about Joey here. And that is, uh, at the end, what did he do? He fleed. Okay, very important. He said, I'm out of here. Okay, not, not going to hang, hang around. Uh, if, if this is a game we're playing, I'm running. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.22 that we are to flee youthful lusts. And uh, that's exactly what he did. Now, listen, um, sometimes we get caught up in building fences too much. What I mean is we say, okay, I want to avoid this, so therefore I have these rules in my life. I want to avoid sin, so I'm going to stay away. For example, things like maybe I have a rule that I don't have a, a private lunch with a woman or be alone with a woman in the building or something like that, and I have those rules, Okay. I don't want us ever to think that by obeying a bunch of rules, we become spiritual. However, however, I think the rules are smart. If you read James chapter 1, it talks about the idea that uh, uh, if we're trying to avoid death, therefore, if you're going to avoid death, you want to avoid sin. If you want to avoid sin, you want to avoid lust. Uh, you want to stay, from those, stay away from those situations. I have a friend that uh, does not have a uh, smartphone. He carries around a little flip phone. Okay? If you ask him why, it's because he, he had an addiction to pornography and he doesn't want any part of it. He doesn't want to be tempted. Uh, is it inconvenient? Yeah, sometimes it is. Do people make fun of him for it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, man? You got a flip bone. But he said, I'm, I can't do it. I'm staying away from it. I have another friend that th they do not have internet in, your in their house. 
Some of you probably just had your power out and your internet out. Somebody was saying that this morning. How do you, how do you live without it? They manage. I don't know how to say it. And he decided, I don't know if that's going to be a temptation that I am not equipped to handle at this time in my life, then I don't want it in my life. And sometimes that's the type of fleeing that we have to do. Just stay away from it. This woman, I can't get away from her at work. Change jobs. Well, you don't understand what that means. Change jobs. Okay. This woman uh, keeps contacting me on Facebook. Try blocking her. If it doesn't work, get off Facebook. I mean, th that's what I'm saying. This is, this is such a big deal. You have to, I'm, and I'm not, please don't misunderstand. I went to that church. He told us Facebook was evil and shouldn't, should have flip phones. And I'm not saying any of that. Uh, what I am saying, I hopefully I make a sense is, if you've got to make a choice, you've got to be radical and say, I'm out of here. Okay, I don't want to play around with this. I don't, want to, I don't want to flirt with sin. I don't want to entertain it. I don't want to hang around this woman. I'm out of here. Okay, now, the one last thing that I want to do here, look at with you from this story, go back and just talk about Joseph. And, you know, when we look at this story, we want to be like Joseph. You remember that song, Dare to Be a Joseph? Okay, that was Daniel, but still, uh, it, was a, it was a good song. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, we want to act like Joseph. Joseph's a good guy. We want to follow his example. We want to be Joseph in the story. But when we really put ourselves in this story, I don't think it is Joseph that we fit best in as far as character goes. In fact, what I want to suggest to you, okay, a couple weeks ago, we looked at the flood, and we talked about the idea of the ark being a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ and the rescue. And then last week we talked about the uh, Abraham and Isaac going up to the mountain. And we said, man, what an incredible picture of the father and son going up together to sacrifice. And, uh, and we didn't even just go into the, the goat that was there and the sacrifice that he was. But we see these incredible pictures throughout Genesis of Jesus Christ. Joseph himself is a picture of Jesus Christ. And since he is Jesus in the story, let's figure out who we are. For one thing, we're like Potiphar. And I say that because Potiphar was blessed for the sake of Joseph. And I am blessed for one reason, the sake of Jesus Christ. Not because I deserve anything. The goodness of God poured into my life is for the sake of the Son of God who is part of my life. Potiphar was blessed for the sake of Joseph. And let me say this. The areas of Potiphar's life that he turned over to Joseph is where he saw this blessing. Did you follow that? The areas of Potiphar's life that he gave Joseph control of is where he saw that blessing. The areas of my life that I surrender to Jesus Christ. God blesses for the sake of Christ. So we can connect with Potiphar. We can also, sadly, connect with the wife. And this is good. Stay with me. Okay? Who should have gone to jail? If anybody should have, she should have. Joseph paid the price for what she did wrong. Joseph was punished for her wrongdoing. There I am. Jesus Christ was punished for my wrongdoing. Paid the price. He suffered so that I didn't have to. He took the price of my sin. That's pretty cool stuff, isn't it? Okay, I know that's real quick at the end. As I, you know, prayed about this weekend, and again, this is kind of, sometimes it's like, okay, what, what does Dan want to accomplish with this sermon? Well, I, I try to push that aside and say, God, what do you want to do? I do, as I prayed about it, though, I, I hope that th you'll find some encouragement and even some techniques, even some methods to resist temptation in the area of, of sexual sin. But 
I also want you to see this, folks, his bottom line. Bottom line, all of Genesis is pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way. It all points to, sorry, I went a little Joe Biden on you. They're whispering. Uh, speaking of Joe, uh, <laughs> but, sorry, I just I crossed my mind. That's where I was going. Um, but, <laughs> don't do that. Uh, but, honestly, as we, as we think about that, I hope, you know, I prayed at the beginning, God, dear God, give us a spirit that says, Holy Spirit, teach me, okay? Would you do that right now? God, God what was this about? And, uh, and, and let's say this, okay? This business of sexual sin, especially pornography, I don't think that there's some men in here who struggle with that. I know there are. I know the world in which we live, okay? And I know we're bombarded. And I know we got kids that are that are hit with it when they're in their fifth grade and third grade and everything like that. And it's addictive. Okay? So can I encourage you with that is seek some help. And to be honest with you, sometimes I'll say, hey, I, I could talk to you, but not great. I'll, I'll do everything I can to help you with this. It's been a battle in my life that I want to be able to help some other people with. So please, if that's, if that's an area, give me a call this week. Give me a text. Call the church. Just say, I want to talk to you sometime. I'd love to talk to you about that because, because man, what, how, how sick it is. This sexual uh, sin is a nasty master, and, and we submit ourselves to it a lot of times. It, it's, it's the same. You know, you say, well, drugs, nasty. Yeah, not arguing. Alcohol, you get hooked on that. Same thing. But sexual sin is a very nasty master. And if you're enslaved to it, it is a lot easier even to walk into church and say, yeah, I've had a drug problem, than to walk in and say, yeah, i got a porn problem. <laughs> Get out of here! Uh, and uh, and I, I just want to encourage you, since you know, as we're looking at it there, if you, if you need some help, get it. Get it. Okay? I, I don't know how else to say that. Um, Dave, I mentioned we'll close with a song, but I think we'll, we will not. We'll, we'll go ahead and just kind of wrap up with a word of prayer right now. I like to go out with a song, though. What was the first song we sang? Can we sing a little bit of that? Yeah, I like to go out with a song. Come on back up, man. Yeah, we got the whole gang here. Barry's back there drumming away. Kevin's bebopping away on the bass. Rachel's here. Got to get him back up. Kind of fun to sing. Yeah, let, let's, let's sing a little bit of that again just so we got away with a song. I'll pray, and then, uh, then we'll stand together and worship. We don't have to sing the whole thing, but if you do, that's fine, too. We can, I got no big plans this afternoon. Not even sure where I'm going for lunch yet. Okay. Uh, Father, thank you. Um, <laughs> Lord, I love discovering how you are the central character in every story how everything points to Jesus Christ. I, I love that. Uh, Lord, may we see you in this. And Lord, may we realize that the one who lives in us, if our faith and trust is in Jesus, if we have this new life in you, the one who lives in us is an expert at defeating temptation. He showed us the way. And may we walk in that power and in that strength that is now residing in us through faith in you. Father, yeah, make this so, Lord, I pray. I just pray humbly before you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church.
or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.